Hi, and welcome to Pentecost Today Podcast. I'm your co-host, Steve Mancini, and as always, I'm joined by the Executive Director of Pentecost Today USA, Alicia Hartle. Alicia, welcome. Thank you, Steve. It is such a joy to be here with you all. Again, we welcome you from all across the nation, all around the world. Many different realities of the renewal are tuning in. It's very exciting for us to hear from you, and we want to encourage you, even as you listen to this episode, there's a question on your heart. Um, or even a prayer intention that you have that you want to share with us, we just welcome you to to join in the conversation. So thank you for being here with us. And as always, we want to kick off this episode in prayer. So if you'll join us, let's begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, teach us to pray. Come, Lord Jesus. Enkindle the fire of your love in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, even in our bodies, in our lives, and in our ministries. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we surrender this time to you and commit it into your hands, Lord Jesus, we do ask that you would breathe on us, that there would be a fresh outpouring of your Spirit that comes now and fills us and moves us for your honor and glory. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, Alicia, I thank you very much for that. And as always, it is the right way to open up anything we do, anything you do. When in doubt, pray to the good Lord. He will give you the wisdom and he will guide you. You open your heart, you open your mind, you open your soul, and you earnestly seek the Lord. He will guide you. You just have to trust. And... You know, Alicia, we've talked about this in the past, and in fact, last episode, you know, I read a little quote about the difference between these charisms and just what we call, you know, regular talents and skills. And I kind of want to reread this question, and I want to talk about it with our guest today, who we're going to introduce here in a few seconds. But the first thing I want to, you know, kind of pull out from the Doctrinal Commission, you know, on baptism in the Holy Spirit is, what makes charisms different from talents or skills? And again, according to the commission, it says charism is not merely natural endowments or acquired skills. They are supernatural gifts that either enable what is humanly impossible, such as healings or miracles, or enhance a natural gift, such as teaching or service, to a level of supernatural efficacy. So we're going to talk about this with our guest, but I want everyone to hold that because I want to also then talk about what is a charism, you know, according to, to biblical theology. And as Paul's teaching on life and the Spirit is a necessary context for understanding the charism of the Spirit, again, according to the Doctrinal Commission, a charism, also called a gift or working or manifestation of the Spirit, but it is a gift freely bestowed by the Spirit for building up the body of Christ. Alicia, I'm going to turn it back to you to start, you know, kind of kick the conversation off. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Steve. You know, I think... There are always a lot of questions about the charismatic gifts and the charisms. And I love how the Doctrinal Commission points us back to Ephesians and 1 Corinthians. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, really pointing to a charism is called a gift. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 and 7 it is a working or manifestation of the Spirit. So just this beautiful understanding that it's the life of Christ, the ministry of Christ, which is supernatural, which is at work in the body of Christ and in us, especially as we 
surrender to Jesus as Lord of our lives and Lord of our ministries as we really come into encountering, receiving, and then sharing the love of the Father and and inviting the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit always comes when we pray, come Holy Spirit. And oftentimes there's an invitation for us to both expect and to invite others to expect the Holy Spirit to work in a supernatural way and through the charismatic gifts, through the charism. So before we, we go any further into our discussion, we want to introduce a very special guest. So last week we heard from Father Peter Emmanuel, who shared some of some of the story of a prayer group coming back to Duquesne University. And this week we are meeting and spending some time with Peter Malampali. So Peter Malampali is currently a seminarian for the Catholic Diocese of Pittsburgh. He's in his fourth year of formation, so he's in major seminary. And he is the youngest of four siblings. He was actually raised by a father who's from India and a mother who comes from an Irish Catholic background in Iowa. And Peter really um, has an extraordinary testimony just in his journey, not only into helping to found Opus Novum Catholic Charismatic Renewal at Duquesne University, but really his own life and story and, and walk in faith, which is just so precious. And we're very excited for you, Peter, to be here with us. We're very excited to hear about not only what the Lord is doing in the renewal, but also in your life and ministry at seminary as you study at the Catholic University of Washington here. So welcome. We're humbled to have you join us. Thank you so much, Alicia and Steve. Yeah, it's a, really a joy. It's, it's such a joy just to, to get to be with you and uh, talk about um, something that I'm so passionate about, uh, about the renewal, about the gifts of the Spirit, and, and also just to, to share a little bit about the grace that uh, that the Lord has has poured out uh, specifically on on the students of Duquesne University uh, in these in these recent years. So yeah, thank you so much. No, we're actually again really grateful. Anytime people take time out of their lives to join us, we're very you know we're very appreciative of that. You know, one of the things we always like to start off a conversation is, is you know the, we we have listeners all over the world, and I give Alicia a tremendous amount of credit because. You know, she does her homework on, you know, ultimately we're trying to send, we're trying to spread the message. The baptism right. of the Holy Spirit is real. And I think, you know, and I, and I was guilty of this probably for darn near 50 years of my life that I always saw the Pentecost was a one and done. And when you read, you know, the New Testament, you thought, well, that was great 2,000 years ago. And as I became, you know, acclimated and, and familiar with the whole baptism of the Holy Spirit, it really opened my eyes and said, this is a living thing. So you, you've obviously made a choice in your life, but before we kind of go down that path and talk about your experiences, we always like to start off, introduce you to the world, tell us a little bit about your background, how you were raised, you know, because ultimately there are seeds somewhere in there that are now bearing fruit and who you are and what you're doing. So tell us a little bit about your background. Sure, sure, yeah. So um, as Alicia said, I, I come from a, a interesting uh, mixed mixed family dynamic. My, my father... Uh, is Indian. He was born in Andhra Pradesh, India, and he was raised Hindu. Uh, and my mother comes from a, a strong Irish Catholic uh, upbringing, uh, who's yeah, Catholic her whole life, you know. Um, and my father eventually converted from Hinduism to Catholicism. So 
uh, I was raised I was raised Catholic, but uh, yeah, growing up, I I certainly fell away from the faith uh, in in many many ways, and I I did not have uh, at all a personal relationship with Jesus, uh, and I was certainly headed down a very different path in life, and um, basically the Lord intervened. Uh, in my life in a in a very powerful way i was planning on um receiving i well, i received a air force rotc scholarship to go to college and i wanted to uh, pursue a career uh, in the military but um when i was a, a senior in high school or junior or senior in high school i received the baptism in the holy spirit and what was so interesting for me is that I received this this outpouring within the sacrament of confession. I um, had met a priest, uh, and I can disclose this because I'm not under the seal. Uh, the, <laughs> the priest was Alicia's Alicia's brother, uh, who's now today one of my my very best friends, uh, Father Father Levi Hartle. And um, by the way, real quick, I, these Hartles keep yeah. showing up in my life. I just want to say that. I know like oh, half yeah. the family now. Because... <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Um, I encountered the Holy Spirit in, in the sacrament uh, of confession, and I, I had a, a time of real encounter with the Lord's mercy. And in that mercy, I was in confession for probably about an hour and a half. Uh, as I was coming back to the faith, and um, the Lord really poured out His love on me and helped me to know in in a profound way that uh, that I was a beloved son, and not just in the way of you know being able to say to somebody, "Hey, God loves you," right? But an experience, an experience of the love of God, an experience of the love of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit poured out through Jesus in a way that I could not explain, in a way that I knew was not just in my mind, was not just imaginative, you know, I, something that I could not have conjured up through my own emotions. It was real. And that set me uh, on, a, on a different path. And um, I still uh, pursued uh, my, my um, desire to uh, have a career in the Air Force, but uh, what was funny is I said to God, you know, God, I, I, I don't want to live for myself anymore. Uh, and I remember I was 18 years old and I went to adoration and I said, Lord, you know, I want to live for you. So I want to do something good with my life. I want to, you know, I want to save lives. So what I'm going to do, God, is I'm going to apply for special operations. I'm going to apply for combat rescue and I'm going to become a combat rescue officer. And that's how I'm going to save lives, you know, and, and I'll live for other people, not for myself. And I remember sitting in this chapel looking at the Eucharist, 18 years old, and the Lord said to me, you know, Peter, I do want you to save lives, but not as a combat rescue officer. And I said, okay, so, so how? You know, I'm not smart enough to be a doctor, but how would you, you know, how would you like me to save lives? And he said, I'd like you save lives as a priest. I would like you to be my priest. And I said, no, 
I'm not going to do that, but, you know, put it on the back burner and we'll see, Lord, what you want. But um, what's interesting about following the Lord is that uh, when we give him one yes, you know, all we need to do is give him such a small yes, and he does so much with that. So I went to Duquesne University, and uh, there I pursued uh, my time in, in Air Force ROTC and studying business. And within that time, uh, I had been very involved in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. Um, I had already, by the time I was a senior in high school, I'd started going to different conferences, learning about uh, the charisms, learning about different teachings, um, going to all kinds of different ministries to see, you know, what what is this uh, and how do I how do I share it with the world? And so I had that passion. And while I was at Duquesne, uh, that's when I met uh, Father Peter Emmanuel, who at the time was just Peter Emmanuel. It was just a just a, a student, a grad student. And uh, he approached me and and asked me to start this. Uh, actually, he didn't ask me. He told me. <laughs> he told he told me that uh, we were going to start this uh, this this group together. And I had a lot of doubts, but I said okay. You know he he and it was so funny. You know he came up to me and he said, "Hey, you're a member of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal." And I said, "Yeah. How do you know that?" He said, "Well, he said, you know, I've been here for two years, waiting to bring the renewal back to this this university." And the Lord told me that I would not be able to do it alone, that I'd have to wait for someone. And he said, when I saw you, the Lord said to me, this is the man who will bring the renewal back to Duquesne with you. So I said, wow, okay, you know, well, let me, <laughs> let me pray. Let me pray about this and discern it. And he said, no, 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 God already told me we're, we're going to do this. <laughs> you know, so I, I just said, okay, you know, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll run with it and see what the Lord does. And, you know, I can tell you, Steve and Alicia, that the Lord certainly poured out his grace in a profound way and really blessed, uh, really blessed this, this new work. Uh, and that is what the, the, the community uh, that we ended up founding at Duquesne, that is what the community is called. It's called Opus Novum, Catholic Charismatic Renewal which means, Opus Novum in Latin means the new work. And um, that uh, it's, it's so powerful because that name uh, came about um, specifically to me in prayer while we were in the process of trying to get uh, established, trying to get established on, on campus. And, uh, we were facing a lot of opposition. We were facing a lot of opposition. And, and I, I went to the Lord one day in prayer and I said, you know, Lord, uh, I don't think this is working out. You know, like, why are we, why are we under so much attack? Why is there so much pushback? Why can't we get this started here at a Catholic university, you know? And I wanted to give up, you know, and the Lord just said to me in prayer, he said, Peter, this is my new work and I will not abandon it. This is my new work, and I will not abandon it. And I knew in that moment that that was the, the name of, of this ministry uh, that God was, was starting. Uh, so I continued uh, for two years uh, working in the ministry. Uh, after one year, Peter Emmanuel left 
uh, and moved out to the Caribbean, where he ended up becoming uh, a transitional deacon and then a priest. Uh, now he's he's there to this day as as a priest on the island of Saint Vincent in the Grenadines. And um, I assumed the position of coordinator uh, in my my final year there. And after two years, that invitation of the Lord to the priesthood starts really was coming back so strongly to the point where I said, you know, let's let's drop a a $75,000 scholarship and let's do this, you know. And uh, that's what he led me to do. So I I got out of uh, ROTC. I uh, stopped pursuing my business degree and I I entered the seminary. And, um, you know, four years later, I, I I haven't looked back, but he's continued to just pour out grace upon grace and and uh, many blessings from from that time and and those decisions. So, yeah, that's a little bit about uh, about me and uh, how I got to where I'm at today. Peter, you know, there's so many aspects of your story that are just so rich. From that first moment of really encountering Jesus in a personal, intimate way, that moment of experiencing baptism in the Holy Spirit and and by God's grace and the sacrament of reconciliation that's so awesome um, even even to the the grace of both you and Father Peter being a graduate and undergraduate student in obedience seeking the Lord and starting this new prayer group just that you both have the name Peter um, I, I find so extraordinary and um, and then even to hear about your journey, it's it's so, I think, edifying to those who maybe are finding challenges, who are seeking the Lord, crying out to the Lord for direction, receiving it, especially in those times of saying, Lord, you know, I, I don't see doors that are open in front of me. You know, it, does this make sense? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then, and then just seeing the Lord leading you to that place of abandonment to the Lord of, Lord, I I give you everything. I give you the scholarship. I give you the path that that I was choosing to save lives, to to follow you. It just it's so beautiful, and I I know we've known each other for years, and just to see to see that faith lived out, to see how you seek the Lord and lay down your life before the Lord. It's it's really an awesome testimony that you that you have brought, um, and I know. Peter, you you shared the story of the signal fire of Opus Novum at Jesus 2020. We had, we had about 7,000 right. people join us online, which it was awesome. It was beautiful to hear people's feedback of saying, wow, the Lord's doing a new work at Duquesne University, you know, and just the Lord stirring expectant faith and many hearts who had been crying out and, and really asking the Lord to pour out his spirit again in a way that that radically transforms not only individuals' lives, not only families, not only communities, but entire nations. <laughs> so, Peter, if we can ask you to share a little bit about how you and now Father Peter, uh, how the Lord led you, especially in those early days, you know, we we can maybe assume you can share with us some of the background that probably the university students um, at Duquesne 
were not familiar with the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. And maybe, maybe didn't, some of the students maybe didn't necessarily have a strong sacramental life or prayer life before they came into Opus Novum. So it would be great to hear um, for our listeners who are saying, you know, I want to reach younger generations. I want to share this grace uh, with younger generations. We'd love to hear some of that insight from you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it was so interesting because Peter, Father Peter, was so confident. You know, he was so confident. And one of the biggest things that I learned from him right away was that we are not, it is not our job to worry about the numbers. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's our job to be faithful and to show up and to do what he asks of us. And the, the way we started was I had a couple, a couple guys on my, in my um, dorm building, you know, living on my floor who I knew were Catholic. You know, one of them I saw at daily mass. You know, I would go to daily mass and they would be, you know, sometimes just me and the priest <laughs> or sometimes me and, you know, maybe two or three other students. But uh, I, so I said, okay, let me just ask a few people, you know, if we can get together to pray. And uh, Peter and I, Father Peter and I got permission to use this little upper room chapel in, uh, in the rectory of the chaplain's, the chaplain's, uh, yeah, in the chaplain's rectory there. And we got together, there were just six of us at our first meeting. And it's funny because he was coming from a Nigerian background uh, and the way that the renewal is approached in Nigeria, it's so open. They're so, they're so free, you know, they'll get up and they'll start dancing and, and clapping and singing. And, you know, I'm at this point, I'm, I'm a year and a half into my, into my conversion, you know, and I'm very, I prefer to be very uh, more contemplative, but we have these two totally different approaches. And then there are these four other students who, you know, have no idea what's going on. But we showed up. We showed up and we said, okay, we're going to praise the Lord and we're going to pray for each other. And we're going to proclaim the scriptures. And just that foundational commitment was that, that door for the Lord to work and to pour out his grace. You know, and within, within a year we were, uh, had, you know, 20 students starting to come to meetings. You know, now I think every year, you know, students graduate. So many students leave uh, after they graduate uh, college. But I think currently they have about 30 committed members, you know, who go to prayer meetings twice a week. Uh, and they'll often get together even more than that. But the way that we got to that place was really through a relational ministry, I think. It was through a, a deep commitment to prayer, personal prayer, but then also a willingness to really just grow in, in, in friendship um, with other students and to acknowledge that, yeah, we're going to be encountering a lot of people who they might not even be going to mass right now, right? They might have been, uh, you know, away from the faith like, like I was in many ways. But all that matters to the Lord is our availability, if we're going to say yes to him, you know, 
And that brings me back to what I was saying earlier, is that when we give him that one small yes, he does so much. He does so much. So yeah, does I I hope that answers uh, that answers your question a little bit. No, that's that's absolutely great, Peter. But I, you know, kind of thinking about what you're saying, I'm going to ask you kind of a tough question. But but I want to make a couple comments. One, for what it's worth, and it's kind of a funny comment. I actually retired from the Air Force. I was an officer, and I retired. So if it makes you feel any better, you didn't miss much. So, <laughs> so I just wanted to put that out there. But you did say something key, you know. When we read the Bible, and we should be reading the Bible, there, it's not something that is expired knowledge. And, and, I'll, and I'll give you kind of an example based on something you said, you know, so I don't look back. And you know, when Jesus would talk about things, and he would, you know, he talked about, you know, not looking back. You know, when you when you accepted him, and you're you're going to move on, and you don't look back. You know, the, when you talk about the the person that wanted to go bury their father, or with the plow, you know, you don't look back. And he and he would use these things, and I think that is something. That is, if, if nothing else, I believe that that is a test of faith. Because I think if you look back, you have doubt. And I, and I think you're, you're kind of telling me, I don't have any doubt that what I did was right. Here they are having this moment. And the moment obviously bared fruit because the charismatic movement in general is still out there. But I would ask you, why does it seem like, and again, this is just my opinion as, a, as somebody on the outside looking in, but why does it seem like those seeds are falling on rocky ground in these Catholic institutions, especially ones that are essentially the forefront of the movements that you guys have to come, you know, years later and say, you know what, we need to start this thing back up. And I'm thinking, why did no one nurture this considering mm-hmm. the, the, the impact that it had? I mean, the charismatic movement is a global phenomenon. You know, it is it is there in the church. It is not like something that came and went. It's still there, but, but I just don't understand why... You know, and I've taught at Catholic universities, and I still don't understand why the seeds don't seem to always get fertilized. I will not throw a blanket statement across every university, you know, every program, but I'm just saying I see it more often than not, especially, you know, just all things considered. So what do you think it is, though, that that doesn't water it, that you have to have another renewal on top of a renewal, and then how are you going to, at some point you're going to leave, how are you going to kind of make sure that this thing is is, you know, fertilized so that it keeps going? Mm-hmm. Deep question, yeah, two, Peter, deep question. I there's two good questions there. You asked you asked two questions. So the first one, to answer your question, one word, and it's fear. You know, First John chapter 4, Jesus, uh, the, the Lord says to us through the Apostle John, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. We're paralyzed. We're paralyzed, Steve, by fear. And um, especially whenever there is a new outpouring of grace, we see this with any, not just the Catholic charismatic renewal, but any movement in the church. When the Lord does something new, when he does a new work, right, it is very scary for many of us who do not understand what the Lord is doing. And then again, what does Jesus say to us whenever he appears? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It is I. Right? And oftentimes we don't heed those words. We don't heed the words of Jesus to not be afraid. So, so the fear, uh, I think, really paralyzes us. And fear gives way to lukewarmity. When we become lukewarm, you know, what does God say to us 
in the book of Revelation, right? Because you are neither hot nor cold, because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out. And this is a very harsh reality, but it is a reality. We believe that catechesis is enough. Catechesis is not enough. I can tell someone, right? This goes back to my own conversion, right? I can tell someone that God loves them. But they're going to be living in a life of mortal sin and have no faith in that love unless they experience it, unless they experience the indwelling trinity of God giving life to their soul, right? That is what I think has happened in many of our Catholic universities and in Catholic education across the board. We become comfortable with catechesis. We become comfortable. You know, I love what... Uh, I almost said saint. <laughs> I love what late uh, the late Holy Father, uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, said to us: uh, "The world will offer you comfort, but you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness." Right? We become comfortable, and the comfort is what I feel like uh, drowns out that fire of the Holy Spirit. The other thing that came to me as you were speaking, as you were asking that question was uh, Hebrews chapter four, verse 10, uh, where the author says this, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than a two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If the word of God is living, right? This goes to your point that this is not just this is not just uh, in, in scripture. This is not just a a, a, a finished word, a word that is um, dead, right? But no, this is a living word. And God, the living God, wants to do something in us. And I think that if we get in this mentality of I need to learn my faith, and knowing my faith is the same thing as living my faith, right? That's when we're saying, actually, the word of God is dead, right? And that's when we're buying a lie, right? We don't want to buy a lie. The devil is the father of lies. And the Lord who's, I mean, only one person ever said, I am the truth, and that's Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so if we're going to believe that, we're going to then allow him, allow his perfect love to cast out our fear. And I think that that love of Christ is what keeps us from the stagnation, from falling into becoming lukewarm, and from falling into relying solely just on this mentality of, uh, if I know some teachings about my faith, that is enough. You know, That's the, the answer to your first question. To your second question, I forget, what was your second question? <laughs> no, it, it was basically how do you, you know, now that you've established this, at some point you're going to move on. How are you uh, yes, sure right. that these things are going right. to continue? Well, my answer to that, the truth is that I rely a lot on the promise that the Lord made to me in prayer. And I come back to that a lot. The promise that he said to me, Peter, this is my new work and I will not abandon it. Right? So I believe... No one would be able to convince me at this point that God 
will ever abandon Opus Novum because he said he wouldn't. Now, having said that, in community, and especially uh, in charismatic communities, there's always conflict. I think that if there are not conflicts in community, you're not actually really living in community, <laughs> right? If you're, not, if you're not at odds with somebody sometimes, if there's not tension, you know, a healthy tension, then you're living in a very um, surface level uh, community, right? Where there's, there's a false, false harmony. So there is conflict at times, and there, there are times where we're up against a lot of things and we say, oh, man, how are we going to overcome this, right? Or, or, or this person's graduating or this person's moving on, you know, or this person moving away from the area, right? At the same time, it comes back to, okay, Lord, what are you doing here? And what do you desire to do? And am I going to trust that you're going to work through me, right, to fulfill what you desire to do? Does that answer your question? Oh, it's fantastic. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Peter, it's, it's so, I think, you know, I think people, whether they're involved with faculty, teaching positions, students, and whether it's grade school, high school, or higher level, anytime there's a Catholic education, there is a glorious, glorious opportunity not only to catechize, and not only to sacramentalize, but to evangelize. And it's so it's so intriguing, you know, I think when we look at the history of the Catholic charismatic renewal, we see the Lord bringing back this kind of grace of the apostolic age where yeah. Yeah. those those who are saying, Lord, I give you everything. I lay down my life. You know, your your testimony is such a power powerful snapshot of that this radical surrender to Jesus as Lord, this coming into receiving the Father's love and this expectant faith for the, the Holy Spirit to dwell within us as a temple of the living God and to move supernaturally through us as we yield and surrender. Um, you know, I think that's that grace of the Catholic charismatic renewal, Lord willing, brings new life to schools all across this nation, all around the world. I know, you know, it's, it's awesome to see how the Lord has already done that, already brought new life in incredible ways, even in the earliest days of the Catholic charismatic renewal, um, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Duquesne University, uh, you know, students and, and those living in the Pittsburgh area say thousands and thousands of people would come from all around just to be in the presence of the Lord. And oftentimes it was the university students who were you know, at the forefront of leading and just incredible to see how the Holy Spirit renewed education in many ways because right. professors, students, you know, faculty were, were inviting the Holy Spirit to come in and to bring that new life and to revitalize um, really the core of inviting the Holy Spirit to evangelize within that setting. So I think maybe that's something we can come away with holding in our prayers, holding in our hearts. Certainly the, the work that the Lord has done at Duquesne University is a precious sign. And not only at Duquesne University, but universities all across the nation, all around the world being set ablaze 
through the grace of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal and through the Holy Spirit renewing in many, many different ways. Um, but I think it's it's just beautiful to hear you sharing that wisdom and that perspective with us so that we can then pray and really seek the Lord and hold before the Lord. Lord, is, is there any fear in me? Is there any right. way that you're calling, calling, <laughs> calling me to move from fear and pursuing a life or ministry that has become lukewarm. Like, Lord, no, we, we want a fresh fire. We want to stir and fan into flame the gifts of the spirit. So it just, I think it's um, something that all of us can take away in, in both prayer and action. And right. certainly, <laughs> certainly for, for those who are tuning in, you know, I, I remember Peter um, being struck by the order the formation, the structure, and, and you talked just briefly about, you know, there's, there should be a healthy tension. Um, anytime there's community, there will be a, an attack of division or disunity, especially because of the, the supernatural unity that the Spirit pours out, that Trinitarian uni- unity that we enter into and, and taste and see and experience as we come into communion with brothers and sisters in Christ. So, um, right. so, <laughs> so we'd love to we'd love to hear from you some of the graces of how was Opus Novum formed so that there was structure, order, and formation kind of woven into the birthing yes. of the group. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful question! Yeah, um, I'm smiling from ear to ear right now. Yeah, this is um, it was so important, so so important for us. So. Many times, the charismatic renewal gets a bad rap, right? And why? Because sometimes we'll go off in our own directions, right? And that was something on my heart and on Peter Emmanuel, Father Peter Emmanuel's heart from the very beginning, is that, okay, we need solid formation here, and we need order, right? And we need unity. And the grace that the Lord wants to pour out on us, we have to receive that in a mature way. And, you know, for example, St. Paul talks about this. He says, be childlike in sin, but mature, mature in your thinking, you know. And that, uh, to me, is, is the necessity, where, where the necessity of, of formation and structure and order comes in, right? So uh, the way that the group is designed is is done so in a way that really fosters uh, intensive formation uh, and and leading people to a place where they're not forming others until they themselves have gone through that intensive formation. So uh, the way that it is set up is that there are five ministries uh, in Opus Novum. There's a, a prayer, intercessory prayer ministry, um, and these are people who oversee really intercession for the group, but also uh, leading, like prayer teams, leading charismatic prayer specifically. Uh, we have a teaching ministry, so this is all about teaching how to uh, use the charisms and the teachings on what the different charisms are. And also just teaching about growing in, uh, growing in, in your faith life, growing in a relationship with God. 
Then we have the stewardship ministry, and stewardship has to do with taking care of the needs, taking care of the needs of all of the members. Uh, so really well, making sure people feel welcome, addressing any concerns that they have, uh, and bringing those concerns to uh, the, the, the board, the service team uh, that, that runs, the, that runs the, uh, the community together. Then uh, there is uh, praise and worship, praise and worship uh, ministry. So these are the people that lead us in praise and, and specifically through their, their musical uh, talents. And um, I think I named all of them. Intercessory prayer, teaching, stewardship, praise and worship. Am I missing one? Well, I can't remember it at the moment. <laughs> but um, we have these ministries, and the way it works is that uh, students are, are ah, in evangelization. How could I forget? Yes, the final ministry is evangelization. So the evangelization ministry goes out and specifically goes to you know different places on campus, whether it's um, just talking to students from your classes, whether you go out to a party and invite students who are who are there at a party, you know, to to a prayer group. Um, I can't tell you how many times that actually happened. Uh, I call that bar ministry, and it's very effective. But once students are brought into these uh, prayer meetings, uh, and they start coming uh, consistently, right? Uh, every year, there is an eight-week Life in the Spirit seminar, which is held, okay? And upon the, the, the way that we do Life in the Spirit seminar is once you're in, you also receive a mentor. You receive a mentor uh, who walks with you throughout the Life in the Spirit seminar as you're preparing to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Not to mention, there are also two appointed spiritual directors uh, for the community, and they're both uh, diocesan priests. Currently, the spiritual directors are Father Michael Ackerman and Father Mike Fakes. So we had Peter and Peter, who are the founders, and Mike and Mike, who are the spiritual directors. Um, and uh, those spiritual directors are available uh, to, all the, to all the students. So upon successful completion of the Life in the Spirit seminar, we hold what is called a commissioning, commissioning ceremony. And that is where a student who faithfully completes the whole seminar and all the formation involved, which is um, small group activities during the week while you're in the, the, the seminar, as well as mentoring sessions. Uh, upon successful completion, they are permitted to choose a ministry to which they want to, um, they want to, a ministry they want to join. And the students are also allowed to choose more than one ministry. So sometimes they might want to participate in the, leading the praise praise and worship so they'll join the prayer and uh, praise and worship ministry uh, but they also might want to join evangelization or stewardship so they do that as well and then at that moment everyone in that ministry comes and prays over that person and it's a beautiful beautiful ceremony they're welcomed in and at that point not only are they in a place of receiving formation from the community but now they're also expected to share their gifts in support of the community. Um, and formation doesn't end there either. At the same time, once they are on, uh, in, in a ministry, students are expected to have a spiritual director. So 
So whether that spiritual director is one of the two uh, appointed directors of the community or someone else uh, in the area, that is something that we we hold in high regard is is spiritual direction. And then we have you know your your the the lowly uh, lowly co-founders uh, like me who will come back and give uh, give mentoring sessions uh, every now and then. Um, and that's specifically for the leadership team. So the service committee is founded up of certain students, and each of those students is the head of one of the ministries. So uh, the coordinator of the group, for example, might be the head of the teaching ministry. The assistant coordinator of the group might be the head of the uh, intercessory prayer um, ministry. And the heads of the ministries are constantly receiving more formation, whether they're going to different conferences, in spiritual direction, having mentoring sessions, uh, these kinds of things. But above all else, and um, I'll close with this, above all else, what we really encourage is a profound and deep personal prayer life. Because the charisms, you know, the charisms do not, they're not for us, right? They don't, they don't, um, increase our sanctity right they don't the charisms don't sanctify us they're for others so so to really properly understand and be an instrument for the lord uh, to pour out that grace on other people we have to be journeying and we have to be pursuing him so above all else we really encourage uh, the taking of holy hours the taking of uh, times of silent prayer um, and, and the profound personal prayer life and sacramental life uh, to supplement that time uh, in ministry as well. Beautiful. Peter, thank you so much for sharing the grace of the formation and the order, the structure. It's, it is so precious just having you share that in a way that people can listen and say, you know, I, I might want to bring this grace to my prayer group, or maybe the Lord is leading me to start a prayer group and to be inspired mm. by this structure. And, and Peter, I just sure. want, and I also want to make a comment. You know, I've talked to a lot of younger folks, and you said something before. You said, you know, knowing the faith is not the same as living the faith. You have to live the faith. I mean, you definitely have to know it, but you have to live the faith. And one of the things that I've heard from a lot of people that have walked away from the Catholic Church, they talk about the hypocrisy of quote the Catholics, you know, even mm. the even the ones that go to church on Sunday, you know, and and look, we're all sinners, we all fall short of the glory of the Lord, and we all make mistakes. But there is a lot of truth in that. That that most people, Catholic or not, do not live a Christian life. We just don't. Let's just be very honest. We get we get consumed in the world, and it's the special people that say, "I'm not going to get caught up in that." So I think that's important. That people that are listening need to understand something. If you purport to be a Christian, and if you're going to put that cross around your neck and you're going to, hallelujah, that's a 24-7, 365 days. It's not a job. You know, it's not just something you do for show to look like you're a good person. It's something you've got to believe. You have to earnestly seek the Lord, and you have to do it. It has to be the center of your life. Because I, I really love the lukewarmness. Because that is something. And listen, I am far, far, far from being there, as I like to say. But I've made an effort to say, look, I, am, I can't be lukewarm anymore. Either I believe, I do it, and I live it, or I don't. 
And so I, I think I, I like what you're saying. I, I appreciate what you're saying, and I hope folks are really listening to that. It's, it's you know, be willing to give up things of this world for God. It's mm-hmm. a greater purpose. Walk, walk away from this world because, you know, it is nothing but death and destruction. The, the path, yeah. the path to, to destruction is wide. But, you know, the path to God is going to be narrow, and it's going to be very tough, and that's why so many people do not choose it. And you ultimately have to right. ask yourself, is this what I want? Do I really believe in God? Do I really believe in this thing called eternity? And if I do, then I've got to look in the mirror and i got to say, am I doing it or not? And not just yeah. on Sundays for an hour. So I appreciate that. One thing I do want to ask right. you, if folks want to learn more, is there any resources, any places they can go, like a website or something they can go to kind of read a little bit more about what you're doing? Right. Well... There is a page on Opus Novum Catholic Charismatic Renewal that comes through the Duquesne University website. However, a lot of the materials is inter- are internal to the organization. So, for example, Father Peter and I co-authored a handbook together uh, that's internal to the organization, and it's uh, it's up to the organization if they want to if they want to um, uh, send that out. And the current coordinator of the group is uh, Bethany Smith, who is a student at Duquesne, uh, who does just a, just a wonderful job. But mm-hmm. I think that any, any of their resources, anything like that, anybody who reaches out uh, to Opus Novum, they're so happy to share uh, what they have. And um, yeah, I would just encourage them to send an email. I believe it is that the, there's an email uh, for the organization listed on their site. Uh, so people can just email them directly as well if they have questions or uh, if they want particular resources. And we can provide that in the description for the podcast. So folks, if you uh, want to know where to go look for the information, we will provide that. And as Alicia said, we will reach out to Peter offline and we'll try and make as much as we can available for you. Peter, before we yeah. go, though, um, I would ask, you know, and Alicia, I, you know, uh, we always appreciate <laughs> a prayer, you know, from our guests, especially yeah. somebody who's earnestly and truly seeking the Lord. So if you would not mind, would you please close us with a good prayer? I think that, uh, so one of the talks that I give to Opus Novum uh, whenever I I return is it's called Obstacles to Receiving. Obstacles to Receiving. And because there are, there are real obstacles that are common, I think, to all of us. And uh, obviously we don't have time for me to give, give that talk now, but one thing I will mention is discouragement discouragement is of the devil. And um, the, the thing about making a choice, right? We make a, we make a conscious choice to pursue the Lord, but very quickly after that choice, there's something that happens. And what happens is we fall. And why do we fall? Because we're broken human beings, right? And at that moment, there's another choice. Do I give in to discouragement or not? And I think that most of the time, the problem is not whether or not people are going to make a choice to follow Christ. The problem is whether or not people are going to accept that they are broken human beings and not become discouraged when they fall, but instead run to the Lord and say, yeah, Lord, I'm very broken. I'm very broken. I'm very weak. I need you. Make me holy. I can't make myself holy. Make me holy. So I just wanted to I just wanted to say that before we pray. But but yeah, we can we can say a prayer now and uh pray for 
as we pray for really all of those listening, um, wherever wherever they're at in life, that the, the Lord would just touch them powerfully. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you through your Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you who give life to the world and make all things good. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy, which is without end. In the name of Jesus, I ask for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. upon every single person who is listening now. Holy Spirit, that you would move in them in a mighty way. That you would do, O oh God, a new work in each of their lives. Lord, we need you. We trust that you love us. We know, Lord, that we do not need to beg you. We do not need to beg you, Lord, because you desire to pour out on us your many graces, your many gifts, your many charisms. We pray, Lord, for a mighty outpouring. We pray, Lord, that in all things we may have recourse to you. We pray, Lord, that whenever we see, whenever we are confronted with our, our frailty, we may not have the pride of being surprised by our weakness. But rather, Lord, we pray that we may joyfully come to you, the font of all mercy, and continue to pursue you with all that we are. We ask this, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Again, thank you very much, Peter, for joining us today. And we also want to thank our guests from all over the world for joining us. And if you need more information on who we are, want to learn more, please go check out our website, PentecostTodayUSA.org. Again, that's PentecostTodayUSA.org. Thank you again for your time, and we hope you have a wonderful and blessed rest of your day.